Welcome to Realms of Peril and Glory, an all-new actual play podcast. There are guided tours once a week. Come on, Dorbretton. How about you, you filthy timepiece? <laughs> RPG is home to hilarious stories. The thing that kicks off a really good tale is... Uh... When they take their tops off. Sorry? When you're reading, like... Don't worry, don't worry. And thrilling adventures. There's bad guys, there's an ogre. Probably best if you stay here. Sorry, I'll be back soon. Why am I tied up? That was your sibling, not me. Bye. Each season is an all-new actual play story told collaboratively at the table. Featuring guest players from the Magnus Archives. I remember being in the water, and that was awful. And now I'm not in the water, and that's much better. Wooden overcoats. I am a snowman. I have one job and that is to stand in place. I was doing that very well. Yes, and she might come back nine times more powerful with lots of food and kippers. We fix space junk. On the surface, you might look different, but you're very, very similar inside. And I can vouch for that. And more. What I am about to tell you stays in this room. Got it? Don't have nowhere. There's like secret plans about meat and Smoothie. Ducks! Did you say ducks? Did you say ducks? Did you, did you, sorry, did you say duck? You can find Realms of Peril and Glory wherever you listen to podcasts. We're gonna have a good laugh, then we're gonna possibly cry, and then we'll we'll grab dinner. Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely roleplayers, where theatrical people play roleplaying games. My name's Matt, I'm your compare for this backstage episode from our current studio production, and joining me backstage first of all is Strat. Welcome. Hello, thank you, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expected to be first. You kind of, I'm switching up the order just to keep you all on your toes. Uh, Strat, is there an animal that you suspect of secretly being an alien? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I reckon tortoises are, having been an owner of a tortoise. They're very slow and very small, and then suddenly they're somewhere else. (gasps) So I reckon they can teleport. This is my theory, because you'll put them on one side of the room, and you'll turn around, and then only seconds will go by, and we know that tortoises are slow, but suddenly they'll be biting your feet, and you won't know how on earth they got there. They've got some sort of interdimensional folding power. Yeah, slow or exactly where they want to be. Those are their two speeds. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, next, also joining us backstage is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Josh, is there an animal on Earth that you see, uh, suspect of secretly being aliens? Yes. Nobody on Earth can convince me that the duck-billed platypus is a real <laughs> creature. That is not some horrific scientific experiment or result of a phasing simulation gone wrong. Have you seen infants duck-billed platypuses? No. I don't even know what that would look like, Strat. They're even weirder, Josh. And Googling. Yeah, Kepner, put safe search on, surely. (laughs) (laughs) They come out of eggs. They shouldn't. Oh, Oh, they look like tiny Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, marsupial babies. (laughs) Not the cutest. I think marsupials across the board is just a very, very alien concept. Mm. Also backstage with us is uh, our guest star for this production, uh, Fiona. Welcome. Hello. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Nice to see you all. Joining us uh, from What Am I Rolling and the DMs Book Club. Mm -hmm. Fiona, is there an animal on Earth that you suspect of secretly being an alien? Okay, so hot take. I think there's several animals. It's the ones (laughs) that you sponsor for charity because they're sending you letters. (laughs) 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 And I can I can say this because over Christmas, my mother, uh, Ma Howitt, uh, she sponsored a donkey for me. And I have her picture up here. So I'll just, you know, great podcasting, I know. 
Uh, she's called Zida. She comes with a, comes with a cardboard thing. Um, she's got two pictures, which look very similar. I'm not sure which is her <laughs> best side, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's, it tells me what she likes. So she likes getting lots of attention. So a bit like me. Uh, special features include fluffy ears. But her best friends are Ashley and Mr. Khan. Like... What animal has best friends like that? And no, so I'm anything that writes to me and says how they're doing and asks me how I'm how I'm doing and would I like to visit their sanctuary at some point? No, clearly aliens involved. It checks out. The logic checks out. Finally, also joining us backstage here on the in the studio is Marta, new, our Hello. new player for this production. I'm sorry, say it again. Oh yeah, yes I am. I'm a new. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I think Marta's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Get her! Get her! I am happy, happy to be here on your fellow human podcast. Marta, quick, convince us that you're a human. What animal do you think is secretly an alien? <laughs> um, uh, actually, I, I also have a bird. But did anybody say a bird? Did someone? Someone said a bird. No. The duckbill platypus. Duck platypus has a beak. Uh, um, That's kind of birdy. I, it has a beak. My brain thought bird, but no. Have you guys ever seen that? I have to. It's terrible podcasting, but I'll tell you the name of it. It's called the shoebill stork. Yes. This yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 Is an alien. <laughs> has a face. <laughs> this guy's like four, six, six, seven feet tall. I d- it's it's what? disgustingly seven large. Feet tall? Oh god. Yeah, and They're not it, that it, big, surely. It has an actual face. It's like a person height. Yeah. No, six feet is taller than a person. For, isn't for your it? listeners, yeah, no, maybe... Im- imagine uh, Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. Yeah. But really cross. Like. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And they they clearly know what's up. And I can see it in their eyes. <laughs> they have like a cognition <laughs> and self-awareness and they're just judging us all the time. <laughs> Pretty sure they're an alien. They look like one of the puppets from like the Dark Crystal Jim Henson yes. universe. Ish. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, they have that vibe for sure. Someone's just stapled a pair of clogs to the front of a bird and <laughs> that's what you're left with. Uh-huh. I think what we can agree with, anything that's got a, a bill that looks like that, whether or not it's a platypus or a stork, is inherently mm. alien. Yeah, yeah. agree. Also, cannot fly. <laughs> you know, it's like, what kind of bird? Clearly someone who's not familiar with birds designed this body and went like, yeah, they'll buy it, right? Yeah, sure. Hey, and, and no one's enough. heard from the penguins recently, so God knows. <laughs> I don't know anything yep. with the penguins. I think we'd better move on with the episode before the the shoe bills <laughs> choose to judge us unworthy. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh no! They're so angry. I love it. Uh, right, Fiona, yeah, if you ever get written a letter from a shoe bill sanctuary, do <laughs> oh not <my> God. visit. <laughs> that is a proper Doctor Who episode, isn't it? <laughs> So what we're going to do in this backstage episode is uh, now that we've created our characters, we are going to build out a little bit more of the galaxy that they live in and the people that they know. Um, So we're going to start off with uh, every playbook has a list of relationships to pick from. Um, Most people get to choose two, the diplomat and the scoundrel uh, being slightly more social type characters get to pick three. So let's start with one of those, shall we? Let's start with uh, Josh, the diplomat. Olwyn Callahan the 16th. Tell us about some of the other characters that Olwyn is involved with. Let me tell you first about my ancient or observant bodyguard. I think that I have an old robotic or clockwork bodyguard. Nice. I think robotic bodyguards are relied upon in politics because they can't be bought and they can't be reasoned with and they can't be offended by policy. So they're never going to switch sides and they're never going to ask for a promotion and they're never going to ask for a raise. Um, So I think I've just got a big old robot with exposed gears and cogs following me around and looking after after me. And I think I think it is it is old, not only in when it was built, but also its personality. I think it's got a bit of a Michael Caine, uh, Alfred from Batman (laughs) vibe about it. Just very sort of carefully just following and clonking behind and making sure everything's okay. So it's got the persona of like an old an old man, but it's it's a big old robot. So it's very strong. That's lovely. So the the descriptors for all of these non-player characters uh, do have some mechanical uh, weight in the game. So we're going with ancient, are we, rather than observant? Yes. Cool. Um, basically, if we meet any of these uh, NPCs, uh, the descriptor we've picked for them will determine what kind of moves they might be able to 
do. Um, and that will involve tokens moving around, and it tells us a lot about the sort of role that they're going to play in the story. So moving on, Josh, your uh, Olwyn's other two relationships. My faithful or dramatic missing twin. Yes, space opera, soap opera. So we know what happened to my older twin, <laughs> the bald. former Olwyn Callahan the 16th, who suffered from uh, a receding hairline uh, and ultimately baldness uh, and was uh, stripped of his title of Alwyn Callahan the 16th. I think that he is very dramatic and he took it very personally and he has since fled from the Callahan estate and hasn't been heard from again. Wow. Lost somewhere in the galaxy. Lost somewhere, yeah. Gone away, bought, bought a, a red sports car or uh, a Harley Davidson <laughs> motorbike and uh, driven off into the sunset in a very dramatic fashion. Yeah, the brother, brother Alwyn lost their name, and very cruelly, of course, got given the moniker Baldwin. Oh! <laughs> and was so heartbroken by this that they just uh, uh, fled in tears. Oh, Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even his name! <laughs> I've never felt this sympathetic for a Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Uh, and then finally, building out the uh, Callahan family a little more, of course, at the head of every great family is a terrifying matriarch. So I have gone for my commanding or mercenary politician mother. <gasps> Fantastic. And then, so is your mother commanding or mercenary? Oh, they're both such good words. <laughs> uh, I think I think commanding. Okay. I think that my mother is an equal mix of Mallory Archer, um, <laughs> Lucille Bluth, a little bit of, oh, what's her name from Schitt's Creek? Oh, oh my god, yes. Moira, Moira Rose. Moira. Yeah. Important question, Josh. Yeah. What what hairstyle does she have? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's really good. Quick, add um, it to the hairstyle sheet. Sod it, let's let's steal from from Blue Harvest franchise. Um I think she's got the Princess Leia like <laughs> side the, the the hubcap hair on the side of her head. Yes. <laughs> the uh the the yes. Danishes. The buns, <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Amazing. Excellent. Oh, I really hope we get to meet some of this some of this Callahan family. Let's go to uh, let's throw to Fiona next. All right. What sort of connections does Jodie the Shoot have? Jodie the Shoot. Well, uh, so uh, yeah, again, five minutes before we started this, I had a quick look, and a thousand percent, uh, the first relationship I've picked with a sort of minor character is the awkward or daring pilot who sees me as their rival. But of course, they're not daring. No, no, no. They are. They are awkward, <laughs> <laughs> blushing, stammering. Yeah, like, uh, 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 and I'm like, yes, blah, 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 blah. And there's just like they're trying to one up me all the time. But I'm instantly like, no, I, I am unflappable because I am, as I've always keep saying, the cleverest person in the room. <laughs> so, so do you, you don't see them as your rival? No. Absolutely not. Like I, 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 I see them as like a really interesting like person. If mm-hmm. I'm like if they're there in front of me, but as soon as I turn like to talk to someone else, I've completely forgotten they've existed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just obsessed. <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, notice me, teacher. You know that sort of. <laughs> what um, a great relationship. Yeah. Um. Do you, Do you need names or let's like let's come up with names if and when we meet them. I think. Fantastic. Yeah. No worries. So yeah. That, so that's the first one, and then the second one I've chosen is the anxious or inventive droid I've befriended, but of course they're not inventive because I'm <laughs> the most inventive person around. That is definitely anxious. So I like the idea that if we're on the ship, there is like um what we call like um, a shuttle bot. So again, figure of Red Dwarf running around, scooping up after me and it, it makes some noises like beep, 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 beep. And I've just, maybe I'd call it squeaker or something like, yeah, 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 it's fine. And then just constantly like on alert, constantly as I'm anywhere in their vicinity. <laughs> it's a motorised dustpan and brush. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> You've got a rumba essentially. <gasps> yes. Like absolutely. one of the little Star Wars ones that like the tiny little black boxes that zoom around for no reason. Yeah. Exactly. But this one definitely, ha- it has, it's, Somehow put on like um, a, a siren light, <laughs> his head, which is constantly spinning. But I've just ignored it. <laughs> you've messed constantly. up a perfectly good rumba, is what you've done. Look at it; it's got anxiety. <laughs> oh, no. oh, it's fine. You know, like I, maybe I tap it on the head several times. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And it's like <laughs> it's like desperately trying to be like, warn me of something. You know, proper danger, danger, Rob Robertson, that sort of mm. thing. But <laughs> not quite. But yeah, those are the two I've chosen. So yeah, it's Poor awkward. Robot. Uh, pilot and anxious droid I've befriended 
I, yeah, befriended, like, I use it as, as something. You, Maybe... you ad- address it in an affectionate way. Exactly. Squeaker, yeah. <laughs> Let's go for uh, our other very sociable three-relationship character, uh, Strat, the scoundrel, Val. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about your relationships. So I have uh, I befriended a, a gossipy bartender at my old favourite joint. Somebody I'll go to, to to get the skinny on what's going on in town. I'm guessing it's where I probably like my childhood space town, mm-hmm. spaceport. Probably known this bartender since little kids. Like bartender was always running around after Val, who was always climbing up buildings, falling over and getting their armor cast and all that kind of stuff. And while Val has gone off to do stuff, bartender is stayed where they are but knows everything and everything that's going on and that kind of like there's probably a couple years between them like not that much but when you're small it's like such a bigger boy (laughs) Uh, and I think a bit of that um, kind of starry-eyed wonder has kept because Val has gone off and become this uh, blaster-wielding shirtless wonder and so Sparta is very willing to, to tell him all he can great Val's been off all over the place doing stuff. So they want to say, but look at all the exciting things that's been happening in my life. <laughs> and they, you know, they get vicarious cred from telling your stories to their other patrons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm sure. It's not not just, uh, not just Val that's getting uh, gossip to. And then the uh, other one is um, a mercenary friend who stole from me and left. <gasps> it's not a very friendly thing to do. It's not a very friendly thing to do. And I think they stole my original ship, which was the reason why I had to steal a new ship. Oh. Which turned out to be a better ship, so ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Take that, mercenary friend who stole from me. Still not that happy about it, though. No. No, you don't get over that kind of thing. No, no, exactly. Leaving me stranded in a spaceport or something, having to, to nick another ship. Um, so they're out there somewhere, probably in my old ship still. And then finally, I would like a conciliatory droid I hacked to be sarcastic. <laughs> Why would you do that to a droid? <laughs> uh, I probably drunk one night, thought it was a good idea. Showing off to uh, Jody that you can hack things and do <laughs> yeah. mechanics as well. Yeah. Don't hey, take a blind hey, notice. Hey. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sarcasm in a robot. <laughs> You're just cruel. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, really, I read that. I was like, that's the closest thing to Marvin the Paranoid Android we're going to get. I'm having one of them, please. I'm really interested in the balance between it's it's sarcastic, but it's also conciliatory. <laughs> yeah. This is why I think it would be, if I got this farm, I'd be okay, because just have a very sarcastic robot doing the farming for me quick, quick question just for my my brain um is this robot the anxious robot <laughs> or how many robots robot, how many robot. like how many we droids do we have on this share ship? robots we got three robots <laughs> so okay and they're all distinct robots very distinct yeah mm-hmm. absolutely now that's a show i'd like to watch <laughs> there's a there's a spin-off that's just about the droids <laughs> They're all complaining about us and our adventures in the canteen. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of those spin-offs where we like it turns out that really they save the day. Like we're somewhere else in the scene doing yes. something and all the robots are like, oh bloody life forms always getting in trouble. Biologicals. <laughs> Marta next. Ooh, what uh... connections and relationships does Revan have? So my first relationship is with the scheming or analytical former commanding officer who wants me dead. So this would be the person that I was tasked with protecting and serving as a life objective. Definitely scheming. And probably the person, now I'm wondering if they're an alien as well, um, behind this atrocity that I discovered. Um, Very complex relationship, I think, because of the way Revan was brought up and and educated. It's like a weird codependent. Mm. Like, they, I think originally this commanding officer would treat Revan like a a child, like they were their family, 
So there's moments of like genuine kindness and love, and but it's very gaslighty, abusive. If anyone from the outside would be like, this is weird and uncomfortable. But obviously, that's all Revan has known. So it's it's a lot of conflicting emotions that they yeah, bring up. Like everything in your upbringing is you should be loyal to this person. Yeah. It's like they're like your parent and your boss and your friend. And they will punch you in the face if you fail, but then tell you they love you and they're only doing it so that you can be your best self kind of oh. thing. <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah. I yeah. Like the mandate sort of naturally is very kind of military but like i love that we're bringing in some of the horrible aspects of corporate culture as well where your boss wants to be your friend mm. yeah <laughs> a lot of lines being crossed and and, and mm. just very weird um and then i have for a second relationship my compassionate or conciliatory best detachment friend i left without saying goodbye so in this case i would say compassionate and uh, this was an animal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, slight, like a semi-sentient creature. Um, not an animal we would know. Um, maybe a mini stork. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Wait, does, so, it, does it look like something that's had something stapled to its face? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> you know, I'm a duck, so I, I, this is the True. kind of thing I'm attracted to. Um, but yeah, I feel like Revan would not have been allowed to befriend anything humanoid. And I think it's interesting because Owen mentions the mentioned the robot bodyguard, and I think it's like the higher up you go, the less robots you have, and the more actual people or aliens you have doing the stuff. And when you go down the chain, the cheaper option, obviously, is robotics. And so uh, Revan might have had some sort of not even a pet, but maybe like a wild stray animal creature that somehow lives in their enclave and they have like little moments of of bonding and and just friendship that's stolen here and there um so wholesome yeah and then you had to leave without saying goodbye yeah and i couldn't like i had i just up and left so oh no i'm getting big, real like dog biggest regret of when my life. The, when their owner goes out and it kind of sits just oh, going no. But, yeah. But you're coming back, right? Homeward bound. That's like oh. It's like a Hachiko if anyone knows the Hachiko story, it's like a Hachiko style thing where they're like waiting oh, their patients. Waiting at the train station. Until they die. Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, that would be a lot more dramatic than I expected it to be. Yeah, look at us with our sarcastic robots and they just come and bring the feelings. <laughs> yeah, all our robots and then an invisible animal that's not here. <laughs> this is the patented Merely role players mix of wild silliness and emotional devastation <laughs> that we like to go for. Master, I know this is your first time, but try and keep it just a little lighter. Just <laughs> okay. let, let me get my medication. It'll just be great. It'll be rosy. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> so I'll just. I'll just jump straight into it with. Uh, with my my relationships, Esco's relationships. I have a, uh, the options are connected or maverick, trader, that I wish I could trust. I'm going to go with maverick. Always know where to get the best finds, but I'm never quite sure when I accept the deal and pay for the information whether I'm being double-crossed or sent into a trap. But I have no choice. Sometimes the information's good and I've got to chase that information. I'm not getting it from anywhere else, so I've got to take the risk. Um, and then the scheming or passionate mandate operative who's been ordered to suppress my discoveries. Um, so I'm going to go with passionate for that. This is a, somebody who's uh, a true believer that uh, my discoveries are dangerous and must be suppressed. This isn't just a job to this person. So if someone's going to do the bad guy speech. <laughs> it's going to be this one. Yeah. <laughs> Proper Jean Valjean. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, we'll have to manoeuvre this person into a, a waterfall situation. <laughs> so that's our that's our palette of NPCs. Uh, we don't have to meet all of them. I suspect we won't meet all of them in a uh, one-shot game, but we have all of those to pick from. And the next part of world building is to decide the desires of our pillars. Uh, so the pillars are how this game masterless game uh, sort of fulfills the usual game master role of saying what happens in the world what npcs want and do and the environment around you so there are four pillars 
Uh, the space between, which we've talked a little bit about in the previous uh, backstage episode as the mysterious energy pervading the galaxy. Uh, the mandate, who we've talked plenty about, who are the space fascists. The liberation, uh, who are the plucky rebels fighting against them. Um, and the scum and villainy. So there are four four pillars. Uh, each one is going to have two desires. Uh, and there's five of us. So some of us aren't going to get to pick quite as many desires as uh, others. But let's make this a, a general free-for-all roundtable discussion of uh, what the desires should be. And um, who's got a preference for which pillar we take on first? Should we go with the mandate since we're already a bit... Like they seem to have played a yeah, pretty they're, big they're in here, role they? yeah. in uh, a lot of our characters. <laughs> nice. Uh, Strat, do you want to read the blurb for the mandate? Sure. Sometimes it feels like there's no escape from its gravity. The mandate is an intergalactic superpower that uses its might to control the galaxy with fear, propaganda and alienation. The only way the mandate can perpetrate itself uh, is with constant aggression, uh, advancement of weaponry and violence, and we know that it will eventually collapse under its own weight. However, until then, it continues to cause death and destruction across the galaxy. What a bunch of dicks. Yeah, we don't like them. Nope. <laughs> we would like to embarrass them and bring them down in some way in this game, if possible. Mm-hmm. So there is a nice list of uh, seven possible desires that the mandate can have. Um, so desires just mean that when we interact with either a non-player character who's attached to the mandate or we need to come up with what is the mandate's evil plan right now uh, as a group, uh, these desires kind of give us prompts for uh, what those decisions might be. So uh, is anybody particularly drawn to any of them? I I think the one that's jumped out at me, because we've spoken about this already in character creation, is restoration of an old order. Mm -hmm. Mm. I think they represent regressive ideas. Um, Mm. And we've decided that the mandate have always been, or that's what they, they, they want to communicate to the known universe, is that they've always been in power. And so they just want to restore that order where there are less colonies and less planets uh or sorry fewer colonies fewer planets and fewer ideas mm. so is the, you're kind of suggesting maybe the cracks are, sh- are showing in their control whoever the the liberation are starting maybe to get a foothold yeah. and they're they're wanting mm. to stop that there are beginnings of of shall we say wars among the stars what <laughs> no <laughs> so they're like preemptively cracking down on on any kind of dissent yeah. Mm. Any NPCs associated with the mandate are being told you need to push forward this this idea. This mm. agenda, yeah. I like that. Nice. Yep. Unquestioned supremacy is kind of what they're after, but I feel like there's a lot of overlap there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Untold destruction could be, it, we know that they, they are planning some sort of atrocity. Atrocity, yeah. The dominion over the space between is quite interesting because it might be the only threat, true threat to their beliefs and if they can if they can take over that most fundamental and essential energy or you know connection in the universe then they wouldn't be indestructible yeah right Mm. so they might be like oh no we're just using it for the greater good but they're just (laughs) trying to corrupt something that's supposed to be fundamentally good maybe i like that yeah definitely yeah, plus we haven't done much with space between or Nova or anything. Like we don't have a Nova, so I think we've, we're lacking that. So that's a, a nice way to start bringing that in. The space between is mysterious to all of us, <laughs> which means that we should probably interact with it and be very confused and scared. Thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. Again, we're like the side stories. You have the, the main people who can use this stuff and go on on big feature films, and then we're yeah. just like the side streaming platform television show. <laughs> we are Rogue One, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mandalorian, Rogue One, although like the normal people that have to live in this galaxy yeah. with all this weird crap going on. Absolutely. There's a couple of Nova doing some sort of trade negotiations somewhere in the big budget film that we, we don't have to worry about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. So we've got the mandate wants restoration of an old order and dominion over the space between. Shall we move straight on from there to the space between? Sounds good. Who'd like to read the blurb? I'll give it a go. Uh, The Space Between. 
The connections between people are what surround us and give us strength. The galaxy is never silent. It is alive and humming with energy that you can feel if you pay attention. When channeled correctly, the space between can turn dominions into empires and revolts into revolutions. But be careful, for concentrated power can be dangerous for anyone who dares to come near. So let's take a look at what the space between might desire. I like unity with those that came before, kind of is building on this, there was something before Mm -hmm. the mandate, what is it side of things. Mm. This unknown pre-mandate civilization. Well, that would make sense because the mandate are trying to take over the space between. So if the space between know what happened before the mandate, or if the space between can give knowledge to people of what happened, what came before the mandate, then surely the mandate are going to want to shut that down. Yeah, or, or control it. Yeah, like writing their own version of history. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Knowledge yeah, is if, power. If the space between desires unity with what go what went before, and the mandate can convince it that what came before was the mandate, <laughs> yeah, that could be very dangerous. Mm. Bad catch twenty two. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then a second desire. Let's maybe. Uh, veto solitary training because that will cause <laughs> people to go off on their own and we want to be more of a group yeah. going off on an island to train bye <laughs> <laughs> don't split the party uh maybe enlightenment yeah mm-hmm. as we're all on a search for knowledge and deeper understanding mm. if you use the space between yeah you may be given that enlightenment i might maybe advance on that and say what you're describing sounds to me more like revelation. Mm. 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 Yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> we are searching for discoveries, and it would be nice if the space between wants us to find them. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with revelation. That's better. Reveal yourself. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, remaining the liberation and the scum and villainy. I feel like the scum and villainy uh, definitely has some ties to some of our characters. So, shall we do that one next? Yeah, yeah. let's go for it. Who'd like to read the blurb I'll, for the I'll scum and villainy? I'll read it out. Yeah. <laughs> the scum and villainy. You know, criminals. <laughs> Love it. Just a great <laughs> bit of RPG writing. Um, so oh, we've got, so obviously, Val is very tied to the scum and villainy, and some of us have uh, have tangential attachments to them as well. So let's see what demands they're going to make of us. Oh, the one that's instantly caught my attention is fresh blood like the idea like pulling people in like you cannot escape yeah this like you're one of us now Mm. yeah i like that it's got gravity Mm. i like the first one of uncomfortable bargains because i feel Mm. i think even val mentioned it is like it's all about a give and take and bargaining and and who you owe and what they owe you and whether you are honourable or not, and how a lot of the time it's very grey and uncomfortable and you have to do a lot of stuff that you're not particularly happy with, but it's kind of the deal. Yeah, there's always a cost to you or something you love in mm. order to get either what you want or get, I don't know, get the ship where it needs to go or find this discovery at a cost to you. And it's yeah. about whether or not you mm. want to do that. Yeah, I, I like that. Sounds great. Cool. So the scum and villainy want fresh blood and uncomfortable bargains finally the liberation marta do you want to read the blurb for this one sure the liberation there are many in the galaxy who are not willing to go down without a fight the liberation are your comrades in arms the people of the galaxy who are actively resisting and fighting back against the mandate no revolution is perfect it is made of people who are prone to disagree to disagreement and distrust But that, many say, is what separates them from the mandate, working together towards a better future for the galaxy. Yeah, these are our friends. Good guys. So what sort of things do the Liberation want in our particular story? Long shot missions. Oh, literally the one I had. (laughs) Perfect for a one shot. Exactly what we want. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, that Mm. sounds good. I wonder about imagination of a better world. A better world That's what I was yeah. thinking. Because then That's it nice. sort of becomes a like a battle of the a battle of the stories. The the mandate are telling this story about themselves being the only option, and the liberation is all about imagining that something better is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And also, in in a sort of political way, it's also not defined enough to be able to be uh, to be able to be challenged. Do you know what I mean? You can say, oh, we want imagination of a better world. Well, we'll give you any other uh, indications of what that is. It's just vague <laughs> enough to keep people inspired. It's, it's yeah. the opposite to what the mandate want. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's clearly an option. Whether or yeah. not it's the better option. I mean, they yeah. say it's a better option. But... Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine something that isn't what, your is, brain. what is there now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for anything. Think for yourselves. <laughs> yes. So the next step and the final step of the game that sort of shades into actually playing and creating our story is what belonging outside belonging games call idle dreaming and this is where we simply take all of the material that this process has given us all of our connections between each other our characters our backstories the uh, npcs that we all know uh, the needs and desires of the various pillars and start building on those pulling at threads that we think are really interesting and just having a conversation about what this galaxy we're playing in looks like and what our place in it, in it is until we get to a point where we feel like we know what is the story we want to tell today and we can go into a scene from there. That's cool. Great. Oh, yep. Okay, cool. So yeah, so this is, I. Uh, you know, I have not had to do any prep for this game beyond making my playbook. I uh, <laughs> haven't come up with a setting. I haven't come up with a scenario. That's just what we're going to do now based on all of these other decisions that we've made. Nice. So does anybody have a thread they particularly want to pull at to start us off? Um, I think just, just again, speaking out loud, with all this talk of like ship stealing or is it my ship, there's definitely going to come at some point like a, it's going to come back to bite us. Oh, yeah. Us. So I think something like that where we're being tracked down by either rivals or mercenaries at some point, I think that could be quite interesting. Uh, not necessarily if we'd have like a, a ship chase or anything like that, but just the idea that we're suddenly in a position where we're surrounded on our ship because we've we've taken the ship and it might not even be connected to what's going what we're doing it just so happens to be like oh it's it's another obstacle i'd say it feels like we're all looking for something yeah while something is looking for us mm. yes absolutely yeah because who've we who've we got on our tails um val stole the ship from somebody so they're after val esco's got this mandate operative who's after him or at least trying to suppress his discoveries revan's superior officer wants revan dead that doesn't happen to be the same person, does it? It would be pretty cool if it was, wouldn't it? Mm. Shall we combine those? 100% we need to yeah. do that. Yeah, we need, we need to have a common baddie from the mandate, yeah. I think. And that yeah. needs it's to like tie a big, as many of us together as possible. Big baddie who can also send uh, like you know, underlings. So it's, it's great if they're high enough that they can move pieces around mm. without necessarily... Well, let's, let's keep consolidating and say this is also the person I have dirt on. And yeah. that might be why Ooh, why they're yes. at arm's length so far. Mm-hmm. You yeah. said, Marta, that they were very high up, right? Because that's when you get the actual, like, humanoid, yeah, like, flesh bodyguards rather than... So maybe, uh, do you think they're, like, whoever the head of, like, mandate propaganda department is? Probably, yeah, that would be good. That's that who controls the narrative. That also fits with their personality of being very manipulative and knowing how to use relationships in their favour. Yeah, and they're going to be, they're going to have tendrils everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and the propaganda, like the, the head of propaganda's bodyguard defecting is such a huge potential PR disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess because with, with my connection to Revan, obviously you, cause you said you were booking your passage on a ship to get out, which didn't go so well, and I saved you from that. I guess, would you have also had like that, that's you getting away from this big bad or this sort of thing. Mm. Maybe they were trying to stop you, and then just so happens, like, quick, we'll go, we'll just, we'll, the ship has gone awry, things have gone awry because I've stepped in. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we're now not most wanted, but definitely persons of interest For as sure. a result. Mm. Yeah. I like the, the idea is if you're escaping, you're trying to help Revan get out of there, like, quick, my ship. I'll fly us away, and then you sort of get onto the ship and you hit the door close button, and suddenly the ship starts taking off. You're like, "Why is the ship taking off?" And Val's just in the cockpit going, "La la 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 la." <laughs> I'm like, "This is brilliant! I didn't do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> What's yeah. happening?" The scanner showed that nobody was aboard when Val got on. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. Yes. And now suddenly Val's recklessness has got him into a whole host of trouble because mm-hmm. he happened to nick the ship of the person that now the head of the mandate's propaganda wing happens to be after. Yep. As well as the person in the ship. You picked yeah. up so much baggage. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, the buoyancy of this, the ship loading off. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. All your stuff as well, collecting just everywhere. And Alwyn's just like, I just want to get to wherever. <laughs> what's happening? If we if we make that what's happened, how long ago is that going to be for the story? Because if we have had, because we'll have going to have to have picked up Josh and Matt. I'm going to have to have ruined it by putting a load of stuff on your walls. Yeah, I think that can be an event that happened a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of been on the run for a bit. Yeah. Could we have a thing where Val just got on the wrong ship by accident? So he was tagging along with Orwin and Esco. And he's like, oh, now it's time to leave the station. Let's go back to the ship. And the ships look a lot alike. Really? <laughs> so I accidentally <laughs> And you got the on the wrong <laughs> ship, which was J- Jody's ship. And this is how you've been together maybe longer just on a different ship. And you're like, wait, this place looks different. Did they refurbish? Did they do something while we were out having drinks? Oh, I don't know. And then we show up and you're like, hello, why are you here? And you're like, this is our ship. Or something like that. I don't know. I definitely like the idea that, that Jodie thinks it's her ship, even though it's clearly not her ship. Yeah, <laughs> so like, that could that... also be the way we get on the wrong ship. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, I like, yeah, maybe that, that, that version better. I think, because it'd be quite nice to get Matt and Alwyn as some a, a different events, because obviously we talked about... Callahand obviously organizing. We joined in season two. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like the the crew, as it were, is Val and Revan and Jody. Like that seems mm. like a good space crew. Yeah, there's Val who believes he is the captain of this ship, but has no real authority. But he's certainly going to act like it. Then you've got the person that's actually doing all the work. But but doesn't act like the captain. Doesn't act like the captain, and then Riven, who is there, like is is our muscle as well as like the the person that is causing us a bit of trouble. But we have to be like, no, we'll protect this 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 lovely pet person. Yeah, no, no, not pet. No, certainly not pet. No, you know, in like in a good way. Yeah, a pet in a good way. Mm -hmm. And our robot friends. And all our that's our crew. All the robot friends. I feel like we. I, I want to pull on the thread of what what did Olwyn hire the ship for? Yeah, because I think that that's an important mm. question to get into in terms of why Olwyn is here. Because this is, I can see why all the rest of us are mixing in this company. Olwyn is very much the the odd duck out <laughs> on this crew. <laughs> Absolutely, I was trying to work that out myself because, in all theory, I've got a, a diplomatic, you know, space uh, embassy vehicle that takes me from planet to planet, from yeah, meeting so to meeting. what do you need to do that's deniable? I think there's something a little bit mysterious. I think that perhaps there's a bit of a period of downtime for Alwyn, and so his time is as as uh, is his own, and he's using it as an opportunity to get out and see something, or he's on a secret mission for, for Mummy, who <laughs> has got some conniving plan that she needs to be put into motion. Or it could be that I'm trying to search for Baldwin, who <laughs> has obviously just gone missing. To keep this in the um, Firefly Serenity universe parallel, in my head, I'm like a shepherd book. So uh-huh. you, you guys are the crew. I've paid my way on. No one's really asking questions because, oh, he pays quite well. Or like, you know, a Simon with River, right? He's mm-hmm. paid a lot of money to be there. Don't ask questions. I'm just here. Keep on going. Make me, you know, make, make my dinner. Don't ask why I'm here. So you're incognito. Oh, yeah. I, I think you're, you're probably aware of who Alwyn is. I mean, look at his clothes. Yeah, mm. it's very hard. <laughs> Can I throw something out? If you're searching for something, and I just like there's this there's this unknown. We don't know what you're searching for, which is very space between unknown. Yeah, I was going to say. It, perhaps that's like there is another. There's your front of I am your local MP, but there's also like I'm searching like. There, maybe you found something in diplomatic college about the, the space beyond you. Like this is this is a thing that you're kind of obsessed with. Mm. I don't know if you want to make your mother maybe part of. I don't know if is it like maybe part of. The I was thinking if the liberation or I don't know, twin is missing. Mm-hmm. Mm. To bring it back to the original property, this is based on. Maybe you and your twin have a connection that 
you weren't aware of necessarily or that became stronger when he left. So he's gone and you don't know where he is, but there's this space in between pull between you two that pushes you to maybe try to go find them. And it can be either with your mother's knowledge or you don't you wanted to keep it on the low down. So that's why you're you're doing it by the a back channel where she can't keep track of. I think for sure I am terrified of my mother. I want her to be, uh, her her, her adjective is commanding, right? I think she runs everything. And I think that anything that I am doing is outside of her control. But I really like the idea of trying to find Baldwin or trying to find something within the space between. Because, of course, one of my core beliefs, although it seems hollow to you guys, is the space between will always show the way. The way, yeah, interesting. Also, you're the 16th Alwyn whatnot, which you, you mean, you, you said that your family goes back way, way before, perhaps before the mandate. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe I'm trying to find, I don't know, the writings of Alwyn Callahan the first, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, a log or something like that. Can we, I would love to bring my space shipwreck into this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's, th- that is one piece in the puzzle of the you know, the quest that Olwyn is on. And maybe you tracked me down through my academic record. And I hired you yeah. to, to be my sage, essentially. Just wondering, the, like the tie-ins, where I was on a job and was going to get a th- nick an mm-hmm. artifact or do a thing yeah. that you were already... Do you think that maybe that was somewhere... I, that was actually where I had to take Olwyn? Yeah, mm-hmm. like that was the job that was. We can like extend the what I did for Alwyn a little bit more. Like, take me here, help me nick this thing, and that's how we found you. All everybody's things intertwining. Find me with all four of my hands up, being stuck <laughs> stuck up by the mandate. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. Let's so do it. Us four, kind of, yeah. Our crew plus Alwyn have rescued from that, and that's now we've all kind of come together. There's all. The people chasing us are the same people trying to suppress you. Mm. The thing Josh is trying to find is the same thing you're trying to find. Yeah. Everything's chaotic around Val, so he's happy. It all ties in quite nicely, doesn't it? Everything is mm. connected. And I think dun, dun, dun. with the this sort of the enemy, the mandate or the you know, the the, the uh the enemy that has tied everybody in together, to throw my influence in there, maybe they're being paid off or sort of commanded by my mummy (laughs) who's also involved you know how in big space operas at some point all of the evil guys all uh, ally together and end up on the same ship and and everyone looks up and they're like oh bollocks everybody's here and they're all very very (laughs) cross with us right now i like that yep maybe baldwin's gone off to become a nova yeah Oh. Only bold people fun. can be nervous. <laughs> yeah, that was it. The space between was so strong, it just, literally caused space between his head and his hair. <laughs> <laughs> he got Charles Xavier'd. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. But maybe it's like, you know how Buddhist monks and stuff, they shave their head, etc. So sometimes when you go off into things like this, just for practic- practical purposes. Like I was thinking as well, I don't know how that ties into everything, but one of the most interesting things things I've encountered with sci-fi recently, which not a lot of it talks about, is the scarcity of planet-based stuff in space, i.e. water, oxygen, you know, things that you are given if you're on a planet, but when you're on ships all the time, they're not like, they don't happen magically and you have to kind of deal with how much you have and what you do with it. I don't know what, what, what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, but so if you have to like wash a lot of hair all the time it's not practical either you're very rich you have ships that have you know showers and lots of water in them etc but if you're not and you're living a kind of more average life you're probably going to try and and choose to do stuff that doesn't require as much of any of that if it makes sense Mm. yeah the difference between somebody cruising around the galaxy in a massive like space cruiser that can have a ton of cargo and People like Val who are in a tiny ship that can't carry so much. Yeah. Who wash their and jeans so, yeah, out in space. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. You it know? all makes sense. There's no, there's no room for uh, detergent on this ship. So you have to <laughs> oh, no. take an extreme measure to wash your stinky space jeans. <laughs> <laughs> so we're pretty nearly there with, um, like, well, we know how we all came together and we know who we're being chased by 
And then it seems like our priority as a crew is we're looking for Baldwin Callahan for various reasons. And maybe, I don't know, I, w- I would like to bring in my space shipwreck. So maybe that some sort of trail of evidence leads us to believe that maybe Baldwin was also looking for this same shipwreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For whatever reason. Maybe it has a connection to your family if we're talking about like the family history being instrumental to the history of the galaxy. Could it be like 100%. the first ship of the family? Like it's famed as how they Ooh. left. It was like the first spaceship built in Planet X and yes. that's what they took to leave. Love like it. Space exploration. Yeah, looking on the, the, Cal- uh, the Callahan's like Wikipedia page, <laughs> and it's like one note that's not been referenced. It's just that that name that yeah. Noon. Mm. Yeah, mm. I like it. So maybe our opening tableau or scene is us coming out of hyperspace at this long forgotten shipwreck to search for signs of Baldwin. Sounds good. good. Sounds amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> okay. I think that that is enough idle dreaming. I think we are ready to play. <gasps> Yay. By the way, have we decided then his name is Baldwin? Or is it just what Alwyn has told us? <laughs> oh, no. Are we just going with it? Baldwin was, Baldwin was, just, a, was just a horrible nickname that everybody gave him. We can come up with a real name. We can come up with a real name that's less cruel. Baldwin. <laughs> Maybe he's just yeah. told us Baldwin and uh, because he, that's what he called him as a joke. And then that's what we think is his name. And eventually yeah. we might find out it's not. It's yeah, like, we're going to make a great first impression. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for raising that. I think that is an important thing to understand for the, for a potentially significant NPC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have a think about that. Uh, otherwise, let's blast off. Let's get Baldwin. <laughs> This has been The First Nova, a studio production from Merely Roleplayers, starring Matt Boothman as Esco Triff, Josh Yard as Olwyn Callahan the 16th, and Strat as Val Waldron, guest starring Fiona Howitt as Jodie Shute, and introducing Marta da Silva as Revan. The theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst, and the episode was edited and produced by Matt Boothman. We were playing Galactic, a role-playing game by Riley Rathal. You can find Galactic and many other fine games at metagame.itch.io. Merely Role Players is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. You know, criminal, criminals. I can't even say the word. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, Fiona. Two out of three ain't bad. Take two. Uh, all right.